Are you breathing in life? Are you breathing out life? Do you actually feel your body? Do you feel your relationships? Do you feel your mission and your purpose and your work? And whether that answer is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> that was my counter. I could hear it yeah. in my own head. Do you though? <laughs> Classic. Yeah. You got you to gotta, you gotta ask men questions twice. You got to hit yeah. the follow up. <laughs> <laughs> do you Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome back to another powerful, provocative, empowering episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK, aka Coach Kyle. What's going on, my people? It's your boy Anwar Ahmed, aka A Squared. And we uh, were planning for this episode yesterday, and we just we felt the vibe, we felt the energy, and we weren't even talking to him yet. So now we're able to bring him into the conversation. Today we have a lovely, empowering gentleman named Cyrus Henry on Instagram. He goes by the Panda Shaman, and we are amped to be here. Cyrus, thank you so much for being here. Before we let you kind of dive in, we are going to do what we always do. You know what time it is, everybody? It's Moooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooo
and so yeah. showing up for that discomfort is because that's where the the growth is mm-hmm. and and the motivation is love and mm. so as opposed to what has kind of come in a little bit is the runner program i'm going to run this is uncomfortable mm-hmm. but i know that my work now is in relationship and showing up for the discomfort and the growth there so Beautiful. Yeah, so that's where that is. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. I want to get that contrast. I think really understood is the fire, the excitement, and then at the same time, the discomfort. You know, all of those coming into one is such a, a powerful way of just describing the human experience. Is that just sometimes it's not just one; it's many at once, and how we navigate that is beautiful. Anwar, what's your mood, man? How's your mood this morning? I mean, I got to follow up. This guy seems in tune. This is a, that's why I gave it to you next. I didn't want to go next. (laughs) Well, well in tune, you know, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to echo off of that. I'm going to feel that energy and try to, you know, get deeper into my mood check today too. I think one of the words you said there, I think Kyle resonated with the sensation. I resonated with the experience. You said the word experience, you know, what I'm feeling from this experience is experience of relationships. And, um, I think that, you know, with my experience of, um, me as a person, I'm going through Ramadan right now. So, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, really understanding, giving up, you know, uh, and giving up things, you know, coffee, giving up, you know, um, food, you're giving up water, you know, the discipline it takes to just, you know, be with yourself, uh, and, and really control your mind. I think a lot of people think that, you know, when you're doing fasting or when you're doing Ramadan, all you do is give up water or you give up food, but you give up negative thoughts, you give up, um, you know, provocative music, you give up, it's a very cleansing experience where like, you know, even if you're in a room with people who are, you know, talking negatively or gossiping, you're meant to leave the room, you're not supposed to engage in any of that energy, like you're supposed Mm -hmm. to really be conscious of, you know, um, your commitment to the day, your commitment to the fast. Um, And so I I feel very proud of the discipline that I have in that space right now. I feel very, um, it's grounding me in a lot of ways. Um, it's my whole days, my whole routines are off. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm staying up until one in the morning to try to get all the food in and all the water in. And I'm waking up like at like eight and, you know, starting work at like nine when usually I wake up at like seven in the morning, but being patient with myself and understanding that that's what my body needs me to do right now. Um, and just that process has been very, um, very, what's the word? Um, it's another word for like re-cleansing or rejuvenating. Um, mm. It feels very like a recycle of energy. It feels like I'm recycling mm-hmm. my energy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel really excited about that. But then, you know, in my work life, in my professional life, I feel very anxious. You know, I feel very like... Um, I'm really trying to practice putting my left foot in front of the other, but I can't help but keep staring at how big the mountain is. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's ruining my ability to show up in a day because I'm so worried about, you know, planning 10 years, you know? And Mm so I think that being, I have, I need more grace for myself in that space, I think. So I'm, I'm feeling very, a lot of discomfort. There's a good word. I'm feeling a lot of discomfort in my, um, and it's at that point too, where it's like, you're feeling discomfort, but you've been doing it for long enough. So now you're now you're not a new kid anymore. You know, you know, when you're new and the discomfort is okay. Cause you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm new that I should feel like this is struggling or whatever. But when you've been doing something for a while and you're still not over the hump, I feel like Mm -hmm. that is really where the mental challenge comes in because you don't have the excuses or the pillars to lean on. I'm I'm new, you know, or I shouldn't know how to do this very well, you know, where now you're dealing with, you know, you just don't do it very well. And that's a harsh Mm -hmm. reality to lean into, you know? Um, And so 
And then, yeah, those are the two biggest moods I'm feeling. Those are the two biggest experiences in my life right now that are like, you know, encompassing, encompassing my mood in general. You know, mm-hmm. my fasting practices right now are taking up a lot of how I'm feeling uh, and my work um, and the the commitment to my, uh, my job. Uh, and it's my birthday on Monday. So I think a little bit of, you know, ah, and, you know, grateful for being going around the sun another year, but I can't help but ignore these negative thoughts of, you know, are we still in the same place? You know, like, have we gone around a whole nother year? And I, I, I just don't feel like I've, I've, I did what I wanted to do in that year. And it's, it's a very, it's a negative thought process. Cause if you actually wrote it down, you probably did do a lot. Um, mm. but it just feels like, Oh, I went from 30 to 31 and I don't really feel like my environment's changed that much, you know? So mm. I'm trying to like, not let that get into my psyche and try to be like, enjoy the idea that, Hey, not everyone makes it to 31. Not everyone makes it to 32. And, mm-hmm. um, I, one of my best friend's father just passed away. And so that perspective lives very close to me right now. Um, and you know, uh, rest in peace, uh, David, David Barber. Um, but yeah, those are all the, all the things that I'm feeling uh, in this moment. So. Mm. Mm. Thank you for sharing. Yes. No mm. kidding. Listen, I was just about to, uh, well, I was obviously kind of navigating his and I'm like, okay, like what is my mood? I was trying to decipher it. And I was thinking about so much of your presence in this call, Cyrus, mm. because one thing that I recognize about even just our first call that we had was that it has already begun to feel like we can't hide from you. And what I mean by that is what you embrace in this space is you invite us to stop hiding from ourselves. Mm. And that is, it's felt on an energetic space because I just feel safe. And so huge kudos to you for that, for that presence and for that energy that you brought into the space. Cause that was Anwar's best mood check he's ever done in his entire life. So that was incredible. Um, mm. And, and for me, even too, it was uh, getting into, my own mood. And it just felt like it was going to be similar in the sense of this is all of the ways in which I'm feeling about all of the things. It wasn't just, I'm feeling, you know, really empowered today and excited. It was, well, here's this part of my life. I feel like this and this and this, and I feel like this, the sensations are this. And it's, it just felt like an unraveling and unveiling of the feelings. So I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Pleasure. Without, without effort, I'm sure it's just you, but to finish up their mood check, uh, similar vibes. I can feel the energy of you. So I am feeling uh, called forward, which is beautiful. And at the same time, uh, very excited in, and I, I think that word, I wish I had a better word for excited, but I think excited gets to the root of the, the human experience feeling because I really want to discuss the things we're going to have in this conversation. And I really, really have, I I try my best to stay connected equally between uh, the way I phrase it, the 3d and the 5d. Uh And so just having that balance. And I do feel like I have had a bit of a disconnect with something greater than me, the 5d, the spirituality side of me that I love so much. And so for me, that's the excitement in this conversation is being able to get into that again and, and just be in a safe space with it all and, and uh, just flow with it. So uh, I could, I could share a lot more, but that's, that's really the dominating feelings and uh, sensations that I'm going through right now. So. So just to kind of, you know, echo off of uh, the mood check and, you know, 
you know, we kind of know how you how you feel today, but we don't really know who you are. And the audience doesn't really know who you are. So we wanted to kind of start there. Um, we want to take you to a little bit more of this. You know, we're, we're, we're obsessing here at Modern Masculinity about this inner child. You know, we're, you know, so much of us, so much of the guy's work is to skip a bunch of chapters to become this thing. And then now you're the thing, you know, and that's what you go by. We don't ever talk about what made you that or we don't ever discuss, uh-huh. you know, your childhood, which those were the those were the a lot of the reasons why we are who we are is, you know, the stories that we carry, you know, for years, uh, you know, those stories that we're either trying to overcome or the adversity or all of those things. So I want to, I want you to take your mind back to, you know, a younger version of yourself, you know, before you were the Panda Shaman, a shaman, I should say, um, you were Cyrus, you know, what, is, what was Cyrus like as a kid? Like, what was your upbringing like? And uh, who are you? Give, give us a little bit of insight on, you know, uh, who Cyrus mm-hmm. Henry is. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that invitation. Um... I want to section it off. There's a couple of sections in my childhood which uh, created the foundation of who I am. Um, so I'm a sibling of seven. I have four older, uh, four brothers and two younger sisters. No, there's four boys and two girls. So I'm one of eight, I think. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have two older brothers, two younger brothers, two younger sisters. That's it. Um, us four older ones have different fathers and we don't know our fathers. Um, and so us four older ones who never met our fathers throughout our life, um, were in between family members. The first oldest was adopted out to a family friend. Second oldest was um, taken by my grandmother and me and my younger brother were between aunties and uncles. And then with my grandmother, um, why I share that is that kind of gives you an idea of where I was coming into this world, coming into this world. I was with an auntie. Then I went to another auntie and uncle, which was a very family environment. And then my mother wanted me to come back. And then I ended up going to my grandmother um, from the ages of three to six. And then I was with my mother and my stepfather between the ages of six to 14. Then I moved away back to my grandmother from the ages of 14 to 17. So that's kind of like a time period of what happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple of things that as I from my awareness as an adult um, that I look back on, I was like, oh, wow, this is where I, this comes from. And one of the things that's, um, that what I find offers me a lot of humility and humbleness in this very moment is from the ages of three to six, I was living with my grandmother and we had, we had our own land and we had our own beach and we had no power and we grew our own food. And it was, a, it was quite a, a strict environment. It was like, you eat breakfast, you go outside and play. Don't come back to lunch. And because we had this whole playground of nature and the house had a fence lining. It was like, don't come inside the fence. Just go out. We can't, don't go past that tree in the horizon. That's the only boundary. And so here I am in this place of, as I reflect of complete play and curiosity of how do I have fun? And I had nature to do that. And I had a brother to share it with. And at the same time, like if there was gardening to do, we had to do gardening all day. Um, so like this, this little period of like no power, gathering, making your own food, like really quite strict rules, I felt gave me this humbleness, this humility and this respect that I have for life and my present moment. 
then I go, my mother wanted me back into the family and I go back to my mother between the ages of six to 14. And then this, my stepfather's a Malaysian Chinese. So I grew up in a, in a bit of a Chinese background from his influence. And then from there, this is where, as I look back, it's like, oh, this is why I'm passionate about men's work because halfway through that time period is when my stepfather started to become physically abusive to me and my brother. Um, for reasons unknown, um, could be a couple of things, could be medical things, could be his own children came into our world, um, but all of his anger was taken out on me and my brother. <sighs> yeah, one thing I'm thinking and feeling into right now is as I've done this work of reflecting back on this experience and the awareness that I have and starting to communicate with my siblings and my family in this moment, like in real time, it's like often, often reflected as you guys had it really hard, me and my brother. Like you, what you guys went through, shouldn't have gone through. And I'm getting a little bit emotional because I recently spoke to my sister over the last three months and uh, like I'm actively working through this. And uh, I can't say that my siblings are especially my brother. And I know there's a hard conversation that I have to have with my brother. And how are you feeling? How has this impacted your life? And he doesn't open up. And my, 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 my objection is, or my perspective is quite often for men not opening up. And he opened up once to my sister and he said, I could have died. And I really heard that and I was like, wow. I was like, wow. Um, so yeah, so that was that period of halfway between six to 14. And basically it got to a point um, where we were getting older and my mother was like, do you guys want to leave? And we're like, yep. And it was this, my stepfather was the breadwinner, uh, not just for our family, but all, all of our, um, all the other families, our cousins and our aunties and our uncles. So I also had been working through money trauma because of, linking luxury and money to him is not safe. And so I've had to work through a lot of uh, um, money trauma throughout my time of uh, bringing that in. So yeah, my mom gave us the opportunity, we took it. We're like, yeah, we're gone. Um, we went to our grandmother's, she didn't tell him for like three months because in that period of like that year of leading up to that, it was getting really bad. And me and my brother like started, we're like, can we stay at our cousin's place? Can we stay at our cousin's place? And it was quite often. And so like us leaving, he didn't quite notice it because we weren't there. And then well, what's interesting is when he asked, where's the boys? She was like, they're gone. Because if you're aware of New Zealand, there's a North Island and the South Island. We were living in the North Island. We left to the South Island. That's where my grandmother was. Hmm. And he asked my mom, where's the boys? And she said, they're gone. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, they're gone. They're gone she, they're with, their, with their nan. And he said, he basically broke down and said, you took my boys away. And so that's an interesting, as I reflect as an adult, even then receiving that when my mom shared that with us like a year later after we moved away, I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, and then it brings me to this concept of like, did he, was he so safe and comfortable with us that he shared his pain with us and projected his pain onto us? that we were just those people that 
whether he thought we could handle it um, or just felt so much safety that I want to feel safe to be vulnerable and project all my anger and pain onto you boys. Yeah, and then I, my brother and I experienced this freedom um, of uh, not worrying, of uh, yeah, not being in fear. Um, and then we moved with my grandmother and my two older brothers and started to really what felt like in my observation of my brother and myself really started to blossom and started to find ourselves. And so when I say where I'm from, I say I'm from the South Island because that's where I found, started to find who I was. Um, yeah, and uh, we, my brother and I grew close to my big brother's girlfriend's parents and they become, became that mother and father nurturing role for us um, because how I like to express is like my, my mother, like that brought me into this life, um, has her own, I guess, in my projections, her own trauma that she's working with, which therefore felt like there was an emotional block of uh, relationship um, in terms of like mother-child mother nurturing, where I felt like my mother was a mother provider and like, what are all your needs that need to be met? Which is great, I'm so grateful, um, but then a step, step further than that for me was the desiring of the affection, the nurturing affection, the curiosity into my world, my universe. And so my big brother's girlfriend's parents provided that for me and my brother. Are you guys doing your homework? How's your love life going? Maybe you guys should get a part-time job and just really nurturing our foundations for our future. And yeah, then after that, like, there's a much other details to that, but that kind of gave me that. One of the one of the examples I can set for that is like I learned how to hug because of her. I learned that physical somatic affection, um, which is beautiful. Now I'm such a good hugger. Even after that, <laughs> like after experiencing that at the age of fifteen, of like how I would hug. Mm -hmm. so like an embrace and now i embraced all my friends everybody i meet mm. with just that nurture that i was taught um so yeah fast forward like i uh went to university um for performing arts uh dancing and uh my big brother's girlfriend's uh mother was the one who guided me that way was my nurturer i was gonna go to the army she was like, nope, you're going to dance schools. Okay, great. I'm going that way then. That's a contrast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I went to performing arts school and she was also what I identify as my first spiritual teacher hmm. um, because she did the yoga thing. She played with the crystal. She did the meditation thing. And I was like, okay. And would always give us crystals. So that was my introduction to uh, that world. Um, so I identify her as my first spiritual teacher um at least conscious um yeah and then i went to performing arts and uh was in new zealand and i was in australia for studying performing arts and i thought to myself there's this discussion and this concept of the poor artist uh, artists don't make money and i was like no nah. 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow that. And what I noticed that my seasoned friends that were seasoned performers were quite often reflecting on their glory days. I was like, I don't want that. So it invited me to feel into how else do I want to walk this world, knowing that my performing arts career will have a shelf life, has a shelf life. And I was already quite deep into self-development and the spiritual world and meditation. And uh, yeah, like I magically came across a spiritual mentor who was a healer and a clairvoyant. And then she offered this like really fantastic donation exchange because like you can do everything I can do. And I was like, oh, okay. Still like discovering this. And then that led me to the to studying a two-year diploma of energy healing, which then initiated this path of men's work. Because as I was studying, I asked myself, how do I want to offer this to the world? And it said, with men and also integrating your culture. In that moment, I had no idea why, because my story of like why um, I was going to do men's work, it wasn't quite there yet. I was like, oh, but I like, I haven't, I haven't really experienced depression. I haven't really experienced anything, any suicidal depression. And, but that's where I wanted to go is work with men on that level. But I was like, how do I connect with them? What is my story? And so as I started creating my practice of uh, coaching and healing, um, I started to understand and unravel, oh, this is why I'm doing this. Oh, this is why I'm doing this. And so, yeah, fast forward to now, um, the last two years because of the, the pandemic um, has guided me to retire from the world of performing arts and therefore step into this role um, and work that I had been creating. And like basically all this work for like the last five, six years that I'm like, oh, I like that idea. Oh, this is going to be good. Oh, how am I going to serve men, working with men? Um, and so it's just been like I started and I just went like, boosted super fast into where it is now um so i'm really proud as to where it is now and i feel like i've skipped like three years of the starting of a business um or at least the mission but then again i had the foundation that i was actively working like my side hustle was like my side vision I'm like oh cool just like putting putting seeds in the pot okay cool this is good and like they've all been like in the last two years that like started to sprout and then I've just been watered them with like magic water that's like allowed them to like really sprout yeah so that's a that's a little bit about my journey uh, um yeah it feels yeah that's a little bit about my journey mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I felt like watching a movie <laughs> <laughs> I could see it on the screen just yeah. strolling by uh I think that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back to Kyle if you have any follow-up questions, but, you know, I did, I did want to touch on just like this, um, when you were reflecting on kind of, you know, your stepdad and your personal experience, it was, it was, it was interesting because I, I could just see the problems that we face as men just in that exchange, right? Oh. It's, you know, you were saying how you didn't understand if he was projecting his pain or trying to get out or working through his own trauma by, you know, ex ex expressing it out in a way that, you know, 
isn't what we would consider a healthy way, mm-hmm. right? Which is part of the pain, right? And then you're passing on the baton of the trauma, right? So you're sending the trauma into somebody else. And then now their trauma is they don't, they can't speak on the experience that they're experiencing. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's this two-headed monster of, you know, when you we do express, it comes out in a way that it isn't, isn't a healthy way. And then when we're the ones that have been expressed on, we, or life is coming at us too quick, or we're feeling the pressures of society or whatever the case may be, we're not willing to talk about it. We're not willing to share. We're not willing to open up about it. Um, and so I just thought just in that story, you could just see the problems, you know, you can, you mm-hmm. could see some of the, the men stuff that, you know, we deal with and uh, we internalize or we don't speak on, um, or when we do speak on, we do it in a fashion that's not well received. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if, if Kyle, you have any follow-ups to, you know, that story, but that's definitely something that stuck out to me. No, I appreciate it. I think the willingness to go through that process again, like you said, just is something you're actively processing. And I, I mirror that. I feel that and I am, I am doing the same in many different capacities in my own life. And I know in, in my own context, so I can imagine it's a similar in yours and the difficulty in embracing the, those experiences and embracing the possibility of, what the past had held uh, and just kind of finding out, I guess, what feels like the truth of those experiences, even if you can't really get to the full truth, there's, uh, I've noticed for me, there's a lot of healing, but through the healing, there comes, you know, some pain that I don't think I realized I was navigating or you never even really gave myself the grace to feel and the right to feel uh, mm-hmm. as a younger version of me. So I honor you for that journey. And I am grateful that you are navigating that for yourself because it's beautiful work. Definitely, that kind of leads us right into you know our next conversation. Let's go back to that magic water you're talking about. I think from that magic water and that seed, you, you birthed uh, the panda shaman. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like that's a, that's your Instagram name. That's uh, you know, uh, I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan, so you know, I know he goes by the Black Mamba when he's in his you know his different state, his his alter ego. And I feel like this could be you know your alter ego. It's separate from mm-hmm. Cyrus. This is the this is the person who does the work for others. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about the birth of you know uh, the Panda Shaman. Um, you know who he what he does, uh, what his work is all about, and um, mm-hmm. you know how you've kind of you know taken those seeds that you've been watering and actually packaged it in a way that serves the world. Um, talk to us a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Mm-hmm. I don't even mm-hmm. what that means. I'm sure you'll get mm-hmm. into that, but I really don't. I think that'll be good context too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that question and the way you uh, phrased that with the Black Mamba. I've never thought of it as this alter ego now i'm like yes (laughs) (laughs) so yeah thank you for that um yeah like so uh, for me it's like my social media my identity has been wrapped around my performing arts and but i've always showed up and like especially with all my male friends and everybody like oh yeah i'm doing like the spiritual study like i'm studying uh, energy healing and and because I give no space of doubt. They're like, okay, that's cool, man. Um, so in this, I guess, rebirthing of uh, my social media and my identity shifting to what be what may be more of service and like, oh, this is, this is who he is. Okay, cool. I want to inquire more. Okay, great. And so I was looking for a feeling into welcoming, like, how can I shift my whole identity they'll give a clearer understanding of what people may desire from me um, and how i can be of service 
and I was working um, guest facilitating in a three month uh, residency, which is a uh, conscious consciousness and um, circus arts. Um, I was there as a guest teacher for dancing, but also working as the resident uh, energy worker, um, energy worker and coach. Um, and uh, I was gifted uh, this panda onesie. And like, I don't, you, I don't wear onesies because I run really hot. So like, I just don't wear much clothes. Um, and we're, we facilitate some, some ceremonies within the residency as well, cacao ceremony um, and other plant medicine ceremonies. And throughout, and these would be like all night uh, experiences. And I would uh, wear the onesie at like halfway or like throughout the end. And then one of my friends just started to call me, um, oh yeah, you're the panda shaman. Uh, I was like, oh. And then everyone started calling me the panda shaman. Um, and I like, I kind of like really looked at it, but like I'm never connected with the animal, the spirit of the animal. Um, so I really like, like felt into it. I was like, cool, what is the, what does the panda mean? And like, it's, for me, it's this representation of the yin and yang, the dark and the light, the masculine and the feminine, um, these two opposing forces. Um, and like, I really resonated with that because I love to go deep into the underworld and do some shadow work. But I also love all the lighter fairy um, cosmic work as well, because um, I see both um, of value and uh, really see the value in how much light can I bring into the shadow, how much shadow can I bring into the light. So quite often when I'm working through um, deeper layers of trauma, the underlying energy and frequencies, man, I'm so grateful for this. This is, this is hard, but I'm really grateful for this. And that could be like me wailing, screaming, yelling. And the little child on me is like, good job. <laughs> Just like really feeling. Um, so that's how the, the name came through, which was offered from friends because I didn't want to create the name for myself. I wanted to be some way offered and gifted. And so I like really felt into that and was sitting for a year before changing my name on Instagram to the panda show, I was like, and some of those is like, uh, like what are people gonna think? Like, like the word shaman is quite a big word. Um, and then I was like, I'm just gonna surrender and just try it out, see what happens. It's also an invitation to myself because how I desire to walk out of this world is serving plant medicine and that's it, just working in ceremony. And so it's an invitation and a promise to myself of like, this is the path that you're on. And, I, and this represents a lot of how you want to work within the shadow and the light um, with working with the harder parts and working with the great parts. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the birthing of the, the panda shaman. Um, mm. So yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. And I love the name. I think it stands out so uniquely. Right. It's very, and, and I think that's what pulled us into your space too, is just that, that tagline, the Panda Shaman, it's just very intriguing. People want to know, what do you mean by that? And what, what does that represent? And how do you align with that? What does that mean about your identity? There's so much curiosity that it peaks. So the gift was, was gifted beautifully as they always are. And so I'm very grateful for you sharing that story and, and I'm proud of you for embracing it. You know, it's, 
it's wild to go through the Instagram handle world, right? When you just don't know what it means. And it feels like it's everything sometimes, especially in our day, our current day and age is this is, if I don't get this right, then people don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's such a fascinating concept. Um, but I love it. Yeah. I, I, I resonate with the Padashama deeply. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that process, you talk about being a medicine plant healer and in, in ceremony. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that's a longer journey if I'm, if I'm correct. Yes. So it's a longer journey. So it means you're embarking on it. You're still in the process, which you probably always will be, but that means right now you're still kind of embracing the healing aspect of your work. And the way we kind of want to structure this next question is you describe yourself as a men's healer. And the way that I represented that yesterday when we were planning for this was that even in my own world, men don't want to be healed, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like this concept, like, what do you mean I need to heal? What am I healing Mm -hmm. from? Like, I'm good. I got this. Like, I'm just moving forward. What are you you talking about healing? And so there's a, there's a break and there's a misconception, I think, as Mm -hmm. to what this really means. So I'd love if you could kind of dive into what is men's healing and what exactly do you help men move through with your work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that question. I had, uh, I want to share like a, a story of a friend that I recently connected with. Um, he was a bit of a role model um, growing up. Um, and then we parted ways and just in life. And uh, we recently connected um, like two, three months ago. Um, and the question he asked me was like, uh so like what what do you do like what is this like what is the purpose of what you're doing like i don't get it um with the the work doing the work self-development growing um yeah and i was i was really curious about that question i was like interesting and because he's an electrician so i simply explained to him i was like so imagine you're an electrician you're studying and you kind of know what you're doing you go into a job and you kind of know how to fix it and you kind of tinker with a few things. Now imagine you're like a quantum physicist, electrician. You go in, boom, know exactly what to do. And then I asked them, I was like, now refer that to yourself. These are all tools. What I have is tools on how to support yourself and how to be the best version of yourself. And if you go in and you kind of know what you're doing, then imagine the, the house won't be working properly. The circuit won't be flowing properly. And, uh, and then if you actually knew what you were doing, you could really work with the inner parts. Like, oh, how, does, how do I work with anger? Oh, there's like this really old rusted um, wire that's like deep inside the house that I need to dive into and replace it or create some flow with it. And it really, really landed from to the point he was like, I'm going to pause this conversation. One of my friends just arrived home. I'm going to go, basically what you shared with me, I'm going to go share with him. Um, so yeah, to answer the question, it's uh, an essence of the world of healing. We are, we are perfect in every part of who we are in this given moment in every given moment. But then there's also opportunity for what else do you want to be? How else more do you want to step into who you are? And so there's the concept of uh, 
allowing all to be and just allowing yourself to be perfect as you are. But then there's also the teaching of uh, expansion and growth. You're, you're born to be more than who you are in this present moment. And so I totally hear you on this, like, oh, I'm good. Like, what's, what do you mean? And simply my invitation that I offer men is uh, you are. But do you feel there's an opportunity for expansion in here? And let's have a look at all these pillars, your relationships, your health, financials. How are they actually looking? I'm like, cool, there's room for space. There's space to grow. And whoever I'm speaking to and whatever profession they're in, I simply just relate it to their profession, like I did with the, uh, my friend who's an electrician and it really landed for him. So, yeah, how I express it to men is just using the language that they may be comfortable with and then eventually um, giving new language that would support them further. Um, yeah. What I help men with is exactly that is an opportunity and invitation of, hey, like, let's have a look. Are you actually feeling life? Are you breathing in life? Are you breathing out life? Do you actually feel your body? Do you feel your relationships? Do you feel your mission and your purpose and your work? And whether that answer is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> that was my counter. I could hear it yeah. in my own head. Do you though? <laughs> Classic. Yeah. You got you to gotta, gotta ask men questions twice. You got to get yeah. follow up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you though? And just, yeah, offering that guidance of that, uh, that, that grace um, of uh, transformation. But it, like, uh, yeah, and, and, and uh, one thing that just came up for me now was I quite often get uh, women um, partners. Hey, my partner, like, can I, can you work with my partner? Can you come to your retreat? And I, I basically say no. I'm like, no, unless he says yes. I am not going to accept them. And I simply shared with her, like, educated her, like, from my perspective, men need to say yes. Otherwise, whatever I'm sharing would not be received. And it'll be a waste of your time, money, and his energy. So until he says, yes, I'm ready to do the work, then that's going to be a waste of time, a waste of energy. And she's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so... Yeah, it's, it's simply what I offer men as an invitation, whether they accept it or not. Um, and through the embodiment of the work, which I, I continually invite myself to embody the work, breathe it in, breathe it out, and how I show up that already creates ripples through the men that I um, connect with. Um, and that, that process already starts of, can I be more? Can I feel more? Can I love more? Can I receive more? Can I listen more? Can I be more of a man of whatever that means to me? Can I protect more? Yeah. So I hope that answers both those questions. Absolutely. It definitely does. And my before and we're asked the next question for me, it's just the invitation, right? I think that a lot of this this work can come with some pressure and a lot of expectation and the almost like this relentless, like you have to do this kind of idea. And I think to some extent, yes, because we are having you know, a bit of a, of a crisis, 
we have for a long time in regards to men's mental health and mm-hmm. uh, the tools and the practices that we don't really seek out. So yes, I think that um, applying a little bit of pressure to the understanding, it's even just the second question, right? Mm-hmm. Of do you though, that slight pressure of that question then asks of us to see a little bit more into ourselves and to see our own life a little bit more clearly. And uh, that I think in itself is huge. Like Anwar said, men need to be asked twice. And there's this documentary by uh, Roman Kemp. It's like, I think he says our silent emergency. And he said, uh, the thing that I'm going to leave with this documentary is the double ask of how are you? Mm. So how are you is the first question. And then they answer. And then how are you really is the second question, Mm -hmm. because then all of a sudden the dynamic is completely different. And um, I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of times we don't have that curiosity into a man's life. It's just, how are you? I'm fine. How are Mm -hmm. you? I'm good. And that's where it ends. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that that, that, that lands a lot for me in the sense of what the invitation looks like. No. And I think that, you know, to kind of echo a little bit of kind of, you know, what Kyle was saying there and just a little bit about your story there was, you know, I think that example with the, with the electrician is beautiful, you know, because I think that like Kyle right now in his house, he's got, he's got no cold water or something like that. He's only got hot water, but they're living a life right? It's not broken. They're still moving through it. That rusty wire you're talking about in the basement, you might not, you know, it's there and the rest of the house works. What we do as human beings is we, we just avoid the closet that's dirty. We avoid the room that's broken and we just live in the comfort areas of our homes. We will just not enter that room, you know, we'll just, and it's so easy to be like, how are you doing? And me give you an answer, excluding those rooms, right? I'll give you the answer based on the rooms that I play in and they're all doing good. Like they're all great. But the, the problem is, is that are you optimized, right? Mm-hmm. You got all this square footage and you're only using three, three rooms or, you know, four rooms. And you know, what I love about that is, you know, it takes the courage to actually go down into the basement, rip that wire out and, you know, find the flow in it or replace it or do whatever it takes. Um, and so that's a beautiful representation of, you know, I think mentally, um, I'm a very metaphoric thinker. I'm a very like visual thinker. And to me, it's like, that's what we are trying to do is when we say do the work, we're saying on that Saturday, instead of going to the three rooms that you always go into, maybe mm-hmm. you visit the fourth one for a day, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe, you know, and you're not going to clean everything in that room in a day, but you could do a dent. You can do a little bit of work in that space. Right. Mm-hmm that could maybe clear up your perspective of, you know, everything else, you know what I mean? And even your fear of that room in general, right? You might go in there and move one box and go, but the fact that you went in there carries so much weight. It carries that, Hey, maybe we can get this room clean at some point, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think what you help people with too, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong or speaking out of turn, but I think a lot of people will enter those rooms and maybe have the desire to want to do something about it, but not know what to do at all. Like what Mm -hmm. box do I pick up? What do I, how am I supposed to feel? How long is too long to be in that space? Like, you know, so I think that, you know, what a transformational coach to me or a healing coach does is that not only do they go in the room first, they invite you in the room with them and they go, listen, I'll move this box. This is why I move this box. You move the next one, you know, and you kind of can coach someone through cleaning that room and getting that room optimized, but then ultimately you'll leave their life. But what you leave with them is the tools that they, you know, that they clean the room with. Right. And so when problems arise in other areas of their life, they'll remember the experience of, you know, having that guidance, having that, you know, um, that mentorship in that space. And I think it's very important because um, even when we're, we have all the motivation and all the energy in the world to want to solve some of our problems, we don't know how, you know, Mm -hmm. and that is enough to 
just never do anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, that visual. And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. I just walked them into the room. Like, Hey, this is what we got. Where do you want to start? Okay. This is how we can do it. And uh, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. It's interesting. You share this room concept because I shared a visualization meditation about, um, that and that same concept, but the inner child aspect, like, Hey, we're going to go into this house. Imagine your house is all these ages you are. Now let's visit the room of your age seven. Let's have a look at it. And then Crazy. just kind of giving that visual concept mm. of working through all the ages that were of our childhood. So it's really cool that you brought that up mm. and that concept. So, I love that. I love that. Powerful. Hopefully that lands for people. I'm going to move on to the next question, but in, in a really, in really short summary, in these discovery calls, when you're with, you know, people, um, and you're, you're with men and you're, can you give us like a couple problems that like, you know, the, the repetitive ones, the ones that you see across, like, you know, the board, like this, this is an everyday problem. I hear this one every day. I hear this one every day, just so that mm-hmm. our audience can hear some of the problems you solve so that they can see themselves in the mirror, maybe a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, could you share in a really quick summary, like what are some of these things that you're discovering on these discovery calls with your, with your clients? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, the three main ones that people come to me with, uh, is big emotion, how to work with big emotion, specifically anger. Um, so that's one of them. Um, a second one is understanding how to feel and receive. And basically I'll identify that as our feminine attributes and our masculine attributes. Um, how do you, how to optimize both of them. Um, and the, one of the third ones is, is goes between like inner child, uh, bit of trauma work, uh, stillness and meditation, um, and love. So yeah, big one is like, like big emotion, I'll encompass that as big emotion, uh, anger, love, mm-hmm. running, um, the runner program, um, and then, yeah, then the, uh, understanding the, the masculine and feminine qualities and how to optimize those, um, which all ultimately comes down to relationship. For me, everything in perspective is relationship, your relationship with yourself, therefore your relationship with other, therefore your relationship with your surroundings. Mm. Um, so yeah, building a relationship with the emotions, building a relationship in, in a child, um, and building a relationship with the feeling body, um, are the, 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 the big ones. Hmm. I love that. That that's such, for me, it's such a great representation of, of some of the things that I've been working through on my own journey. So I think that it was just the relatability there was huge. And there's something that allows us to enter into the next space for me, which is the big emotion the big emotion side of this equation. And I think that you have such a beautiful opportunity that was given to you by your culture to support you in this big emotion type environment and expression. And this is going to be my favorite part of my conversation. And we're talking specifically about the Haka right Mm -hmm. now. I remember it was probably a few years ago, my friend sent me a video and it was of a team I didn't know what the sport was. I had never seen it before. And there was this just whole routine that was presented before the game started. And I watched this video and I remember feeling chills in my body. 
And I remember feeling like the sensation of like, wow, like that was, that just captivated me. That was incredible. But I had no idea what I was watching. I was just like, this is just very, very radical. It feel, feel like at first. And then I started to understand it. And over time now, after doing some deep personal work, I understand, I feel like so much more of what the Hakka is representing. But the Hakka is a huge component of your men's healing work. It's a huge component. And it's, I would say probably the foundation of it all because it, it creates the healing process for the men. I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much of it. So I'm going to let you take the floor, but I think what I want to include in here is just kind of your understanding, how you would express to men and how you do, what is the Hakka for our audience? What even is it? Uh, and how does it help? Um, I'm leave you, I'll leave you with those two questions to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the hacker is a big part of my work and it's quite the thing that makes it unique, uh, which is the invitation, plus let's do all this work. Um, so that's what I'm seeing it as, is this invitation of this really cool warrior expression. And then they come in, I'm like, this is all the work that's involved with it. So the hacker translates to war dance or war cry. Um, and it's an... Uh, war cry or war dance from the indigenous culture of New Zealand, the Māori. And typically in the old days, it would be used as an intimidation technique before battle or war. Um, nowadays, it's also used for not just battle or challenge. So a lot of our sports teams and schools would uh, do haka before they start a match. It's also used for farewell, um, either in this world or out of this world. It's also used for celebration and acknowledgement. Um, and I've really just forgotten the fourth one. <laughs> like, really, I was like, oh, I was going to find it. Or um, even just yeah. listening, I was like, there's more? Like, this is, yeah. she's used the haka for everything, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's incredible. Totally. It's, it's, a, it's an expression of energy to honor whatever has happened. Um, and uh, so, yeah, used for battle and challenge, used mm -hmm. for farewell, used for acknowledgement, um, and used for cel celebration. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the fourth one. It might be not, but I just can't <laughs> remember at the moment. Um, and there are many different haka, many different tribes do different haka, many different schools do different haka. Um, and the haka can mean different things because it has a translation as well. Mm. Um, so how I have incorporated haka into my work. Um, the haka that I, that I, it's hard for me to say that I created because it was created through me. Because as, as, I, as, I, as it was created, I still didn't understand it. And as I'm sharing it, I'm starting to understand it more. Um, so it's hard for me to accept that I created it because it, was, it came through me. But the haka that I work with is called the war cry of man. The war cry of man. And I intentionally wanted to work with, firstly, I asked myself, can I use haka? And I asked my family, they said yes. And the hakas that are usually performed, I uh, don't quite resonate with their birthing and their energetic layer. So I was like, can I create my own haka? I asked my family, they said yes. Because I wanted to create a haka that's specific to each man that comes in and allows them to interweave and bring their own story into the translation and the words that are expressed 
So it's not just this expression from an indigenous culture, it's their expression. And they get to feel it deeply, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, and mentally that, oh, this is how it feels. And this is what I'm witnessing because it's quite an emotional experience. Even for myself, as I witness Haka, it's very vulnerable. It's, it's, I'm like, I, I can barely look them in the eyes and I've experienced Haka many times. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be able to translate that power and that energy to men that are not of the culture mm. to allow them to feel it themselves because it's an emotional experience. And how I offer it to the men is because there's some components to the Haka. Well, one component is uh, we have a, a foot stomp, which is the rhythm which is the heartbeat. And so I share it as first we have to learn the heartbeat of brotherhood. And I just, it's like, takes me like, I'll sit there for as, do it for as long as I need to until everybody's in sync. And then I express it that if you drop out of the rhythm, trust that your brothers are going to keep rhythm for you, that you can find your way back mm. to the heartbeat, which is this heartbeat of community and brotherhood, but essentially it's the heartbeat of one. And so that's the, the foot stomp. And then we also have uh, another aspect of this, which is called the witty witty, and which is a shake, a quiver of the hands. And this is what that is, is we're inviting and summoning the energy of Mother Earth so much so that energy quivers through our hands. So therefore, we have this integration of the feminine of our mother. And then we also have the expression of uh, the pukana which is the extension of the tongue and the widen of the eyes, which looks like this. And it's used as in in just an expression of whatever emotion wants to come through in that moment. And so I work through the men um, on the the expression of the tongue and get them to do it at each other um, to intimidate parts, but for the purpose of bringing closer relationship to yourself. And so stepping into that power. And then we have the expression of the haka. So these three components set the foundation of community, of being in unity. And then I work through the haka and we just work through the words. I have an interactive way of teaching because in my perspective of men, I feel like we need to move to learn. And so I create a, it's not a sit down, look at the whiteboard experience. It's a it's a creative way of how can we learn this um, with the call and response uh, structure. And then we learn the words, we learn the actions, which are quite intuitive and feel very powerful. There's like, because I recently had my men's retreat and there was like one, one action that when I taught to them and it was, a, it was an African-American man and we did it and it was like, that's gangster. That's like, that's dope. I was like, yes. <laughs> and like also being mindful that a lot of the men that are coming in uh, may or may not have movement um, experience, may or may not have rhythm experience, may or may not have voice experience. And so there's a whole bunch of layers of dropping those masks, leaning into the intention and trusting that those that may have a bit more experience can also support you. And so it creates this unifying experience. And then as we would, then we, when we get to the translation, this is when the juicy parts happen. Because how I've structured 
how the haka is structured is we work through themes. The first theme is battle and challenge. The second theme is how do you, how do you support yourself and how do you support others? Third theme is what is your relationship with emotion and crying? Fourth theme is how do we come together, move forward together? And so the, the haka has provided me with this program of working through and tapping in to the warrior, the wild man, to this bringing safety to what may be deemed as violent. Oh, wow, that's too much. Man, you slapping yourself, beating your chest, screaming, yelling, that's violent. And releasing that program of giving the men safety. Oh, yeah, it feels good to beat my chest. Oh, it feels good to yell and scream. And then we drop into the translation for the first trans first theme is what is your balance what is your current battle or challenge that you're still either working through or you want to share and then we invite the transparency and an opportunity to work through it and invite your own story and energy into this expression of haka so that when you do it again like this is my story that is now intertwined and integrated and synergized with this haka that i have not just one way of expressing my battle and challenge, I can also just express it through the energy itself, as opposed to naming it and going through the story. Here's another way of me expressing this energy that I can come back to it with a centered, more empty space. And so this haka over the series of the days keeps us in unity as, we're, as what I feel men having a unified goal. And then all the other exercises are more individual goals, even though we're doing work together, we all know that start of the day, we're doing haka and we're doing it together. And then at the end, we do the final performance, which from my perspective is, and the essence of the masculine is this opportunity to ejaculate, to, to release the energy. And it's the final haka, the final performance of giving men the completion of we've done all this work. If there's anything left that you need to express, this is an opportunity. And then basically tell all the men to go all out. And yeah, it gives that completion of like, oh, that was great. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of the intention of the haka is a, is a vehicle to experience mm. big emotion. And not just because there's many ways to, to approach trauma to approach emotion. It doesn't just have to be the story. Mm -hmm. Sometimes for men, it just needs to, I just need to go punch it out or like, like exercise the energy out mm -hmm. and then come back to center to approach it. Um, and so that's the opportunity and the invitation of a different way to express big emotion and also tap into the warrior, which I feel the warrior archetype has been a little lost and a little dormant, mm. which therefore invites courage, invites protection and invites more of that energy into all facets of their life, whether it's business, personal, um, intimate or relationship, mm. um, basically to give them an invitation to stand on your four corners of your feet, open your chest, open your heart, drop your shoulders, hold your head up high and walk forward. Beautiful. So powerful. And I, I was captivated by that whole thing because uh, it's just, I think it's so misunderstood and I knew I misunderstood it as well at the beginning. I just, I just saw this crazy wild dance and I figured it was some sort of intimidation tactic at first, 
But now giving so much more context, I hear so much more of the intentionality and purpose with it all. And uh, I love at the end of it, you said uh, completion. I noticed that men love this idea of completion, right? Just getting something to the end, the finish line, the process is a little less uh, provocative for us. And we just more enjoy just getting right to where we need to get to. So I love that representation. And this is going to be a little unorthodox. So please say no. Uh, But I love to push the level a bit. I love to open up full immersive experience. I prefer movies at the theater versus movies at home. Like I love to just be a part of something. So I, if you are comfortable, what do you think it would be possible to represent the Hakka through this platform right now for the audience? Mm-hmm. As in, do it right now? Yes. <laughs> 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 um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, yes, because yes, I can. Um, no, because it's it's lonely doing it by yourself mm-hmm. and the whole the whole sense of it is mm. like man feeling the brothers beside you yeah. going for it just encourages that um but That's i can beautiful. give a little taste sure yeah um i don't know how it's going to sound audio wise though 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 um because like this is my speaking voice so imagine that times like Maybe ten, maybe fifty. Yeah, yeah. fair. <laughs> I'll give a, I'll give the the starting of it, um, of this haka. Um, but it may not be the fullest expression of receiving it, but there'll be some some receiving happening. <sighs> you can feel free to keep your eyes open, keep your eyes closed, um, whatever feels comfortable for you. Tina, え、これてらこ。え、ティップワイ。これのてぽんのキャッカハ。いやはは。キャッカハ、キャッカハ、キャッカハ。クプオテがかう、クプオテワイルは。マリンアロイマタオテ、タガタテ、カトンギカトク、
Thank you. Pleasure. I feel Thanks. it's also important to share the translation of that, if that's okay. Without Absolutely. a doubt. Are you kidding me? Yes, I want to know what that means. <laughs> so at the starting, I say, let's come together. Everybody says together, let's bind together. Let us be united as one. This is the call of man and the battle within his soul. Yes, yes. Yes. Without the sun, the tree will not grow. Speak your truth, grow strong. Eahaha, yes. Grow strong, grow strong, grow strong. Words of the heart, yes. Words of the soul, yes. The tears of man will fall. I cry, I release, and therefore I grow. Look to your left, yes. Look to your right. Yes. All my brethren, we are all one. We are all one. Move forward, all of us. Move forward, all of us. The divine, the man joined as one. My strength, my spirit, my energy. This is the call of man and the battle within his soul, spirit, energy. Yes. That is powerful stuff. Yes. That is that is extremely powerful. And I think it takes me back to, you know, when I even first, you know, saw the Hakka or there's a level of, I don't know if Kyle can relate to this, but for me, I've always felt like uh, since playing sports or when I played basketball, it was the only place where I could actually let out the real, like, when the emotion of the game is happening or whatever the emotion was, it never felt like there was a hesitation for me to actually express myself in that moment, how I wanted to, like whether it was like a full fist pump or like a screaming, like, yeah, like at, at a teammate or whatever the case may be, it never felt like that was taken out of context. Like it felt, and I felt really, I felt invited to be able to do that. I was allowed to. And then you would realize, I'd realize years later after not playing sports that I was like, I can't just like in everyday life, there's no real need for me to be like, if I used to work at a restaurant, I couldn't like put a plate down and be like, here are your fries. <laughs> no, like there was no, <laughs> there was no place in life where I could just let it go. You know what I mean? And um, in that expression of what you're doing there, I'm realizing how much of that I love and I miss in like what I love about the sport and what I love about the competitive nature about sports is that is that freedom to just make a play that matters or make a play for your brother i play team sports so like you know being able to like you know put your team in a favorable position um and and, and like you said you know doing the haka alone is is one thing but when you know you you're in that sporting event and your teammates are yelling in your face too and you guys are yelling at each other that it, that feeling is unlike any other feeling um and what i think the haka does is it brings you to that place mm -hmm. um and I, you know, now I know that there's, if I had my own Hakka ritual, it's like, that's a place where I can go and get it out. You know, I don't need the, I don't need the four walls. I don't need the four lines. I don't need the teammates. I can actually get into that, that person that I, I, I like that expression. Um, wow. So powerful. Um, mm -hmm. I know that I know Kyle's probably itching to say something, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll get my next question after he kind of gets that in there. But yeah, you could feel that you could definitely feel that. 
Mm. Yeah, you could. And I, I was so intentional. Like I did, I just knew I was only going to be with you in that moment. I was watching you. I was fully invested in you in that moment. And even though we weren't doing it together, it was still powerful in its own right, because it was you. This is what I love about immersive experiences. This is why I love to go and watch. Like, this is very unorthodox, but like go watch a symphony or Philharmonic and watch them just do their thing is because it's just like, it's, it's like the purest form of life. Sometimes it, mm. it feels like it's just, this is life. This is uh, what living looks like, like a visual representation of living and mm. thriving. And just, it, it's so powerful to me. And so watching you do that, it's like, you, this is your element. Mm. This is, this is your, maybe even the the language that's coming to me is the, your direct link to something bigger than you mm-hmm. and your direct link to the source itself. And there's just mm-hmm. so much that I see in that. And watching you do this is both beautiful and intimidating because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm ready to give myself that space yet mm-hmm. and to give myself the permission to be a part of something like that, to take part in that emotional release and so it's just a beautiful mirror back to uh, the ways in which I could possibly feel myself and my life more. And so, yeah, I could go on a, an hour rant and, and just express all of the ways in which I feel about the Hakka. It's, it's something that deeply resonates with me, but I, I need to just say thank you first. Mm. And, to, and that thank you for honoring yourself in the best way that you felt was right in that moment for doing the Hakka. And I think my... Mm-hmm. Uh, misunderstanding was that this is such a community relationship, almost building and enhancing and deepening experience. It's not just something that's like, I just go and do it um, just because I do it. Uh, There's so much more to it. And I love that because we love to do things alone and we Mm -hmm. love to do things solo by ourselves. And to know that this is something that is just so much better utilized together uh, really speaks to me. And I really honored that you gave us a little, uh, a little tidbit of it and a little experience. Mm-hmm. I really do mm-hmm. honor. It. So thank you. Thank you for that invitation. My intention was to do a little bit, but I got into it. So I did the whole thing. That was the whole oh. thing. Uh, <laughs> That's nice. the whole thing without the actions, but like, mm. that was the whole thing. I just got into it. I was like, Oh, I guess I'm going that way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah that's the, that's the full haka. That's the full translation of it. Mm. Um, I do have a shorter version of that that I teach in a, like a weekend container um, as an intro. Mm. But yeah, that's it. Minus the actions, triple that sound. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah. Thank you for inviting that. Mm. Uh, that felt good. That felt good. It's <laughs> beautiful. And Anne was going to ask the question, but all I saw and I was shook was that there was this person who came in a little like, you know, peaceful and and calm and at ease and just grounded and then all of a sudden he's like this roaring warrior just on the battlefield ready to go and i love that contrast i love that Mm. contrast and i was going to attest to it right now i just i love that contrast Mm-hmm. I mean, we on Modern Masculinity, we keep talking about this concept of, you know, being a, a warrior in the garden versus the gardener in the, you know, uh, in the war. And um, I think that that duality that, you know, you you just express physically just with your 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 presence and your energy kind of embodies that a little bit. Um, but I want to go back to, you know, when you originally had said, you know, 
the idea of a man expressing himself fully is a little bit dormant, a little bit, you know, demonized, you know, the, the pounding of the chest, the really being able to just be who you are. But, you know, like you said, the haka represents like not only that warrior, but that safety within yourself, you know, it's that intimidation, but that groundedness, like there's this, there's this contrast. And I think that sometimes we fail to see the other side. We just see what we see and then that's it. Um, and one thing that I think we really struggle with, especially in the Western world, is we don't have a concept of warrior at all here. You know, very little, um, if any. There is no initiation. There is no, um, you know, acceptance. If anything, we feel the the pressure of like trying to dim that light. If anything, you know, in my own experience, from what I've you know. I've often, when I was younger, was called loud, you know, in the way I expressed myself, just using my words. I'm not pounding my chest. I'm just using my vocal box in a way that is like open, expressed, and I would get called loud. You know, I used to say like, you know, the people that didn't like me would call me loud. The people that liked me called me passionate. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and that's just with speaking, you know, like that's not me pounding my chest and actually becoming a warrior. So. You can only imagine how, you know, the Western world perceives you finding that inner warrior, you know, mm -hmm. what I wanted to kind of touch on is, is I feel like in, you know, your culture and, you know, and in, in, in the influences that you've been kind of raised with, there's a bit of like an initiation with like, you know, becoming a warrior, becoming a man at mm -hmm. certain ages, you know, there's certain rituals you do. I know that you just went on a massive retreat as well of just like figuring, finding yourself. I want you to touch on two things give us a little insight on what this initiation is like this going from a man to a boy and what ages they happen at. Um, and then talk to us a little bit about how do we find that, that inner warrior, you know, um, what is the initiation process? The first question, the second one is how do we embrace our inner warrior um, more often, you know, especially with this dormant society that we live in today. Um, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Thank you for those questions. Um, I was fortunate, fortunate, fortunate enough to be in a in a family that was still quite rich with the culture. Um, and my grandmother is an elder, um, so there was, yeah, there's quite a richness in the culture. And having two older brothers, the oldest brother speaks the language, and also was uh, quite often was invited as a speaker. Uh, in um, formal uh, formal settings, um, traditional settings, and so, and also like my uncles, my mother's brothers were quite. Uh, there's a there's a strong line of males in my family and my lineage. So. Yeah, the initiation was in. As I reflect, the. It was, I guess, uh, in the essence of the initiation that may be in, like, quite prominent in other Indigenous cultures, which are, like, really quite, quite bigger rites of passages. Um, I feel, as I reflect, mine were natural and organic rites of passages. It wasn't, like, at this age, Cyrus, you're going to learn this. It was an invitation given to me, modeled by my older brother. My oldest brother was a speaker and was, a, I guess, like, head of, um, like student body for that department of Māori and therefore he also led haka both for the school and for the for the teams naturally organically I progressed into that role and I had to kind of either like shut it down but like it just where the invitation was offered and I was like okay 
I'm going that way. And as I reflect, it wasn't a conscious rite of passage. It was an organic rite of passage that happened of me stepping into the role of leadership of leading Hakka. Um, that's a big, what I feel is a big rite of passage into what we would call Māori tanga, um, the world of Māori, is stepping into the, into the caller, the leader um, of Hakka. And so I stepped into that role for my sports teams and for the school. And was almost what we'll call Maori head boy. I was one vote off, <laughs> literally one vote off. But I still led, like all the haka parts, all the leader parts, and the other um, the other gentleman led all the the formal speaking parts, which I feel like I didn't want to do anyway. Um, <laughs> I just want to do the haka. Um, and so part of that also rite of passage was um, understanding how our traditional grounds work, which is we call a marae, uh, which you can imagine is we have like a meeting house, we have a sleeping house, we have all the elders' little cabanas or little houses, and it's just sacred grounds where like meetings happen, uh, funerals happen, um, big events, or not big events, but formal events will happen there, and there's a bit of a structure of how it works. And so being accustomed to that and learning that was a rite of passage and also learning how to cook our traditional food, which is called a hangi, which, which you can imagine as we prepare all this food in a metal basket and a steel basket and we put it in the earth and we create like an earth steamed oven. And that's like a whole like day and a half process. That's kind of like a cool, like rite of passage of like, make sure the hangi's cooked. Cause like, there's no way to tell, like it's set up for a time and Hopefully, like there's enough space within the food and it's in, in the ground long enough, the irons and the rocks are cooked long enough that it comes out cooked. So that was a bit of a rite of passage. So those are like, yeah, my biggest rite of passage for me that I feel has really supported me in my adult life is I'm stepping into the leadership role of Haka. Um, like if I had this work and like, was like guided to do haka, but I hadn't experienced how to lead a haka. I don't know how authentic or how powerful this work would be if I hadn't had that rite of passage of stepping into the leader role um, of haka. So I'm really grateful that that was modeled by my older brothers. It wasn't like a, you want to do this? It was a, naturally you should do this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it was a very soft imitation of that rite of passage. Um, Second question was bigger emotion. No, I, I do wanted to kind of highlight a little bit more of just, you know, the Western world versus, you know, the world that you come from and just the natural, like, you know, do you feel like there is, do people want to embrace a warrior DNA in your world, you know, versus here, you know, especially with this digital world, there is really no need to go pick up anything heavy, go do anything labor intensive, Go, you need to go call on yourself to go do those things here. There is no need to have to leave your desk. You know, mm -hmm. if you can type and you can speak the language, you can avoid all kinds of things here. You know, there is mm -hmm. no, and, and, and then it's also slightly demonized to, you know, be pounding your chest and actually be a warrior where I feel like maybe if I wanted to be a warrior, you know, where you're from, it'd be embraced. It'd be, look at mm -hmm. this man, you know, he's, he wants it. Um, mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, I don't know how much you know about the Western world, but what is, what is a warrior? How do you embrace that inner warrior? How do you have the desire to want to do something about, you know, who you are, if that encourages mm -hmm. any listeners to, you know, mm -hmm. escape the world that we've created here in North America or the Western world? 
Mm-hmm. And even like just to extend off it, what would be something we could tangibly like start to do, I guess, if you will, like what would be your suggestions as a men's healer and men coach and men's transformational coach? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess for me, I feel like it's important to speak to the aspect of why is the warrior archetype important? Um, what does it, what does it provide? Um, and I guess for me, from what I've learned is it, There's this, there's this, there's this saying, right? I'm not a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And I feel like that has really encompassed the world. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Therefore, like either not fighting for what you deserve, uh, what you believe in. And I heard someone say, I'm a fighter, but I fight for love. Mm-hmm. And that really landed for me. And I was like, yes. And so what I feel is this part of that that programming of I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter has softened um, the modern man. And like, no, like, no, violence is, violence is not good. There's, there's violence and then there's fighting, like fighting for what you believe in. There's physically trying to cause harm or physically standing up for what you believe in. And it's a, being okay to open the chest and we're like standing on your four corners of your feet. Um, and so, yeah, I feel the warrior having access to a warrior, building a relationship. So this is the image that's coming in my mind. And all your aspects and all aspects of life, health, finances, relationship, mission and purpose. The image is imagine approaching that just naked. Just like, okay, cool. Like just the clothes on my, on my back of my, on my on my skin just that's it this is all i have and then imagine you have your sword you have your shield you have your armor and you feel safe you feel strong and then you approach your relationships approach health approach finances approach business it's for me it's like an invitation of building this relationship with the warrior gives you that extra oomph of passion for life of like, it's not like, I'm gonna do this thing. It's like, I'm gonna do this thing. It's so much grace, power, and embodiment, which is the warrior's full embodiment of yourself. Full embodiment of all parts of your limbs, skin, internal, external, and then gonna do this, this thing, whatever you're gonna do. So it's, it's the fire. That's the fire is connecting to the warrior. So this is the importance of what I believe is the warrior. How, oh, I got lost in this image of warrior in my head. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, my invitation is firstly building a relationship with the warrior as being a case, being creating safety with your physical body, creating safety with the power um, the power that the masculine um, vessel has. Because biologically, the, the masculine vessel, the male vessel, can naturally do things that the female vessel cannot. That's just how it is. We're a little bit stronger. We can do the stronger things. And so it feels like with, uh, with the, the movement of feminism and sexuality and separation of masculine and feminine is like, Man, you're too violent. 
don't don't be safe in your body. Don't be safe in your expression of loud rah rah rah, um, beating your chest, because you're making us feel unsafe. Yes, there's a there's a there's a part of that that men that are stepping into the shadow warrior and are causing harm to self and harm to other, and are either consciously unconsciously physically harming people, which has created unsafety for other men that embody the protector, the provider that fights for love and fights for justice. And then on the other aspect is um, the feminist movement is also shutting down the, the, the natural essence of the masculine. So it's, for me, the foundation is relationship and it's getting to know your inner warrior is building that relationship is creating the safety of yelling, screaming, creating the safety of beating your chest what parts of that, what parts of your physical being make you feel powerful, whether that's in yoga, the horse dance, whether that's just, ah! and honoring that I'm a man, my legs, my chest, my beard, if, if men have beards, some men sometimes don't have beards. <laughs> Yeah, and like approaching everything from full embodiment is the essence from what I believe of the warrior. And there was this beautiful saying that I heard someone uh, say of like, the warrior, the full embodiment of the warrior is connected to his feminine because the most powerful tool that a warrior has in battle is his intuition, which is our connection to receiving and listening. And so what, what I have learned and seen is a lot of, men that identify as the warriors aren't connected to their feminine, to their intuition. And there's been studies uh, made on men that are more intuitively um, aligned, that go into battle, have survived, have a higher survival rate. And so once again, the relationship is building a relationship with the warrior, which is embodiment, which is feeling safe in the physical male vessel and connecting to the feminine, your intuition, your feeling body. And so everything on either playing comfortable, safe sports that allow you to tap into this physical expression of competitive competition and challenge, plus doing all the things that allow you to soften into your feminine receiving, which is listening to the feminine, listening to your woman. If that woman is also in her, in her light, in her integrated uh, feminine and masculine. Um, yeah, how how does that land? How does that feel? <laughs> I kind of went, I went full in. <laughs> I think that you know, if I would have been able to kind of come at that question with like the warrior archetype from the from the beginning, I think that was what we were trying to get to, and that's why I love conversations because sometimes you ask a question, you you know what you're trying to get at, you know what you're trying to, and I think that you know you just did a beautiful job of taking the question and going, I think the real question here is, you know, why is the warrior archetypes an important one? You know, and I think that Western world has forgotten why it's important. You know, I think that, um, and there's just also, there may not feel like there's a need, you know, um, yeah. you know, not only is it, does it not feel, I think we need more conversations kind of bringing it back into life. Like you said, you know, like bringing it back into the forefront and, and greeting these conversations of it being, um, you know, 
uh, a horrible expression of man or, you know, greeting these, you know, negative conversations with like, no, let's, let's explain to you why it's actually positive. You know, um, there's a lot of us men, you know, living in dormant and you talked about, you know, in your dancing career too, you kind of brought up the idea of your glory days. I think a lot of guys live in glory days, you know, when they reflect back on when they actually felt like a man, you know, and it might be when they were back playing sports or when they were younger and they felt like they could just be more free. And then we've just been living a shell of ourselves ever since, you know, and when when the guys all get together, we just talk about the times we were pounding our chests and having a great time. And then we go back into our dormant lives and just don't do anything about it, you know? one tool I wanted to extrapolate out of you, because I know that you're a deep meditator. I know that meditation is a big part of your practice. And I think that, you know, we've tried to shed light on meditation in this, um, on this platform many a times and meditation to me comes in different forms for different people, you know? So I think the more people you talk to about it, just like in life, you learn more about how you want to go about meditation. You know, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're often closing your eyes and taking deep breaths between, you know, certain sections. I saw you calmed yourself before you started the Hakka. I saw you, you calm yourself and ground yourself before you answer a question. I think that, that is, that's a testament to your meditation practice, your ability to separate thoughts in a real, very short form. What is your meditation practice? How do you kind of go about organizing that space when you enter that arena? Like, what are you thinking about? What are you taking away from it? Um, And then hopefully that, you know, can serve our audience as a new opportunity to see a different way about doing meditation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Ah. And yeah, I just want to highlight that. Yeah, it's uh, the warrior archetype. Doesn't mean you go to war. You can still fight for everything in in your community it's what are you fighting for and how are you fighting um because it's definitely relatable into the modern world the western world um to allow men to feel like men but have that embodiment and safety of being a role model of being a leader of being a chief so i just wanted to add that Mm. um i approach my meditation practice differently every time um but there are three main ways i approach it the most important one for me is firstly uh as the witness and the observer um as for me hands down the fundamental of meditation of uh, not meditation but inner work um of being able to observe and witness all that occurs in your universe and your being in your mind um, without allowing any thought emotion past ex- past experience, future projection, take you away from your present moment um, and inviting, allowing to step into the witness and observer, which invites stillness in the space. Therefore, within meditation, allowing this type of meditation to flow through will allow more space and thoughts throughout the day. And then there's also, I also sit with, Okay, what does my mind want to do? Let's just, I'm going to give you full power and full freedom to do whatever you want. And also, I'm also in the witness and observer, but I also give the opportunity to if my thought wants to take me somewhere else. I'm like, okay. And so I consciously be with the thoughts and then consciously separate and witness the thoughts. Um, those are like my two main uh, meditations is just the simplicity of uh, witnessing and observing and devoting to that practice and really instilling that and ingraining that in myself so that when I'm in a space of trigger or a possible reactive state, 
I can still be like, okay, cool, let's take a deep breath. Let's witness everything that's happening. Okay, cool, this is how I, do I need to pause this or can I fully um, respond um, with my heart and with center? And yeah, so the practice of the witness and the observer and also giving free reign of like, actually, where do my thoughts want to go? And consciously doing it. And I have other practices of energetic meditations and other meditations, but those are my two main of just sitting on my mat and just being with myself. Um, which, yeah, I dived into it more during my vision quest because it was a four-day four day experience. And the first day, I let my mind one wild and just like for whole day and night and I was like I was kind of mentally fatigued after just because of where it went and then the next day I, d- I focused on stillness and just the contrast of uh, mental exertion energetic exertion was very different and just how much breath I had for myself just because I consciously was like let's come back to present let's come back to presence um yeah, so which what I want to finish with is presence. The, the motivation is presence. The more I can observe my being, witness my being, the more I can invite stillness, the more invitation I have to be present in any given moment, in any interaction in all parts, internally, externally. Beautiful. I love, I, I was sitting there like, that's, ex- that's what I do, but I've never said it out loud before. Oh, that's so fascinating. Cause I always, uh, I, I remember I used to do guided meditation and I would have the voices in my head. And I, I only recently came to this thought through some other resource that, uh, you know, we're so busy listening to other people every day in our lives. And then we go to meditate and then we just listen to somebody else anyway. It's like, it's not, we're never actually listening to ourselves. So I, I remember when I started to switch my meditation practice and it was uh, with some sort of ambiance music still, uh, but it, I just did exactly that. It was just, okay, thoughts are here and I'm just a witness and observer. And I think what I recognized is that it allowed me to sit deeper in the meditation and allow me to just be more, I guess, present would probably be the accurate word just present. But even though I was thinking about the future sometimes or the past, and I wasn't like thinking about the now it was being present with the thoughts of the future and being present with the thoughts of the past and not letting them kind of be that overriding system. So I love that representation. And I appreciate you sharing that because meditation is uh, in the Western world, you know, it's, it's been taken a hold and it has gone a million different directions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people compare the same meditation to mindfulness, which are not the same things. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, what, what does that look like for you? And so we really appreciate you, you sharing that and kind of giving us a deep dive into your own experience. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's motivated by relationship. Mm. How can you build relationship with all parts of the voices in your head as opposed to just covering with another voice, like you said, with guided meditation? Um, and it's okay if you go into the future. It's okay if you go into the past, but do you do it or does it take you? And an example I have, right, is quite often in men's containers, we like to share story share story, share our story and kind of share what's happened to us. And I wrapping up the experience, we were doing like our last transparency circle and it was just about being present without offering any type of 
um, advice and just really listening and being. And one person went before me and I quite often noticed that he went into the story. And so when what happens of going into the story is it's a mental journey and which could create disconnection for people that are listening, also disconnection from the person sharing. And so I have a, a communication style that works to allow them to bring into the body, kind of like what I did at the start. I, I named sensations first, um, which invites me closer to myself, which also invites people closer to me, as opposed to I feel good, which is this word that's over here. And I gave him an opportunity because it's for other people. I gave him an opportunity to go again. One of the words he said was, I don't feel my body. The connection with the warrior to archetype is feel your body. Do you know your tool? Um, and quite often his shares of the story took him away, which is like in the past. And as I facilitated this, um, the style of uh, naming sensations and speaking from sensations first, I also said, you want to you wanna speak about your story from your present moment experience from who you are right now in this moment, not let the story speak itself. You want to address the story, address your thoughts from who you are right now, your thoughts from the past. I'm not the past. I'm not with the past. I'm, think, I'm feeling into the thoughts from who I am in this moment. My projection in the future, I'm not in the future. I'm here right now feeling into the future. And so the, yeah, it's that invitation of that building relationship with all parts of yourself that invite you to be right here present. I mean, I, I think it's evident that we could speak to you for all day, <laughs> but, you know, I think that, you know, your perspective and your insight, I think that, you know, we often have a lot of, uh, I don't know how to, I don't, I don't know how to put it. I think that, you know, sometimes we're scared of the spiritual journey a little bit. You know, I think that we, we fall into like, you know, the, the, the 10 steps to becoming this or the 40 steps to becoming that. And, you know, I often just find myself very connected with more spiritual literature just because it's, it's, it's growing within, you know, it's, it's, it's going inward to become better outward. You know, it's mm -hmm. the slowing down to speed up where I think that, you know, when you're just taking in all the, the books and you're just, you're just, you're learning at a rapid pace. It's like, those stories that you're learning are just here though, right? They're not, they're not here, you know? And I think that, you know, having that connection to what you're learning or what you're doing um, from the, from the body, from the mind, from the soul is important. And that is where the growth is. Um, so I love this spiritual concept, but we want to leave you with this question here. Uh, it's a final question that we, you know, we, we rephrase and repackage in a couple of different ways, but ultimately are trying to get the same thing out of it. Um, it's this, this idea of, you know, you being on your, you know, your deathbed, um, you know, and uh, you being at your, you know, your last, you know, last couple of breaths with this world and, you know, reflecting and maybe you're in that meditative state and, you know, you're quiet and you're thinking about your life and you're reflecting. And while you're reflecting, a young, a young boy comes up to you, you know, age 13, about to enter manhood, you know, very nervous about, you know, this next chapter of his life. Um, and, you know, he asks you, he says, Hey, you know, you know, before you leave us, um, what are some, what are pieces, what are three pieces of advice that you could give me before taking on this journey of becoming a man? What do you know to be true from your experience as you reflect and you looking back, what would you leave me with to continue, continue your legacy of learning? I want to express it in a couple of different ways is have fun or how much more fun can you have? Uh, a, 
uh, a shaman recently said, uh, if, it's not, if it's not happy, it's not ending. Mm. The story is not ending. And the story ends on a happy ending. <laughs> but what is your happy ending? And so, yeah, it's, for me, it's, if you're not having fun, what's the point? Have fun. Choose love, have fun. And find out what you're fighting for and discover how you're going to fight. Beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And, and such incredible insight. I, I will take those as well. I am that 13-year-old boy listening to you right now. I will take those as well. <laughs> so thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for, for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your truth and your honest expression. Where can the people continue to find your truth and authentic expression out in the world? Where, what are your social media handles? Is there another place that they can find you online? Where can the people find you? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Instagram, the Panda Shaman um, is exactly how it's spelled. Um, my website, uh, which has a lot of the, my men's work on there, www.tamatane.com. Um, and I've also started TikTok, <laughs> but I, I share a, a video each day on just little tips and hacks on whatever theme we're working through for the week. Um, so yeah, go th- through there. It's another platform of integrating into sharing, sharing. Um, so yeah, please message me, contact me. I'd love to, love to hear and connect. Excellent. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining us today on this powerful conversation. So many different concepts and ideas and uh, areas of life that we covered in the men's space and around masculinity. And so we are so very grateful for you, my friend, for being here with us today. We appreciate you so much for sharing your time and sharing your story Uh, you know there's so much power in just that itself so thank you so much and for everybody listening you know where to find him he shared his handles we'll drop those in the links in the bio below and thank you again for being here don't forget to subscribe download and we are on youtube now so be sure to check out our youtube modern masculinity the c is a k to watch these episodes uh, not live sorry just recorded on here so you can see him possibly do the haka that he gave us the beautiful representation of so thank you so much for being here and we will see you in the next episode what's up everybody Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.